Welcome back to another episode of the CTN podcast. Really quick, we'd like to shout out our sponsors. Bye. They just came out with this new antioxidant water that's pretty good. I just started like boxing, which is the best oh, workout yeah. I've ever had in my life. Shout out to Bye. Shout out to Swoop. We actually have Phil Parada on today. Swoop is a coupon app. It's changing the way I interact with my money and the way I save money. The only person in my family that used to coupon was my mom. So now we, we have that in common. <laughs> uh, Catalyst case, they make awesome phone cases. Uh, of course, shout out to Equal Space. And of course, our main sponsor, Samsung Tech. All the cool gear we have now, the mics, uh, mixers, all that stuff is from Samsung. Um, they're positioning themselves to be one of the leaders in podcasting. And, you know, everybody wants to be a podcaster now. So. Welcome to the show, guys. Um, we have today Anthony Ha from TechCrunch slash Oath. Yeah, um, we, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an Oath employee. I mean, you, yeah. uh, we don't like to yeah, bring exactly. that up too much. Um, yeah, but yes, yeah. I'm a writer at TechCrunch. All right, awesome. And, uh, of course, Phil Parada of Swoop. Hi, how you doing? Phil. Good to see you again. I'm, I'm glad you guys both took the, the trek out to come hang out today. It's actually easy. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty fast. A couple of trains, yeah. but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're in Manhattan, the the trackouts in Newark's not that bad. It's like a psychological barrier. More yeah. Than yeah. Yeah. I I think so. Most New Yorkers aren't big fans. So, um, how's everything with everyone before we jump into it? I don't want to be all business. I'm I'm good. I'm enjoying not and and I'm not sponsored by Buy, but I'm I'm enjoying this coconut water. That all right. Awesome. Right now. Yeah. I'm good it's too. Good coconut water. Yeah. You got to stay hydrated. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So one of the first things I wanted to jump into, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll do this first because I'm, I'm fascinated by it, especially being in media and Anthony being media. I wanted to get Phil's take on it. Um, recently over in Europe, they just passed article 13, which is like, uh, from my understanding, which basically it makes content producers liable in terms of when like you know someone posts a link on their website or like it, it's mostly going to affect the the facebook's and the the major distributors of content it makes them liable they basically have to pay people in terms of like you know copyrights and so on and so forth uh i i, I read a little bit about it I, yeah. I wouldn't say that i i know all the sort of legal ramifications but i i do know that in europe they tend to sort of be a little bit harder on on the big um, platforms and and uh, the big tech platforms specifically, and and I know that this was something that was is sort of this ongoing battle, right? Of if you are a Facebook or you are a YouTube, how responsible are you for the things that are posted on your platform? Because part of the reason you can have a functioning business is by saying to a certain extent, "This is open. I, I'm not going to police everything that 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 comes up." Yeah. Um, and, and we're not going to have like a, a human, you know, human set of eyes on every single thing that gets posted. But on the flip side, obviously, we've there's been some uh, concerns about like having just a lot of like garbage and, and misinformation yeah. and, and whatever your term of choice is. Um, and, and so I think that is part of the context of what's happening here is, is just this trying to like hold people accountable for for what's you know what they're pointing to or i mean i think in this case it's maybe also more parallel to some of the things with with google and like are, are you allowed to like you know have is google search allowed to should should it be showing things you know links to like illegal content and and things like that and yeah. and so yeah i mean I, I think it's an ongoing i think i don't think it's a resolved issue i mean i think it's yeah. my understanding is i this, think they have to they have to go through like one more round in terms of uh votes and everything but um the, but the thing though that 
I, I, you know, we talk about the big guys. I, I, yeah, they maybe maybe it hurts them, but I think it hurts the individual content producer, right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about, I, like you, I haven't done that much research on it, but I did read up on it for sure. And the little bit that I did read, what concerns me is the notion of the possibility of um, being, I don't want to say filtered, maybe that's the wrong word, but yeah. if you think about that they can put a stop on certain pieces of content because either an algorithm or even their human people, you know, filtering or, or policing it or something like that, they basically become an editor of the freedom of speech, right? So I get that the premise was all around worrying about copyright, but aren't they, what they might really be doing is hiding behind that to get mm. everybody to sort of be on board with it. When actually, if you really extrapolate it out, they could end up getting to a point where, you know, they're basically policing and controlling what content we consume as consumers anyway. Don't yeah, you that's, I mean, I don't that's definitely a concern. Well, and I think what some other people pointed out um, about some of the other regulations, specifically GDPR is, which for I think um, people who haven't been following all the, the news around media and advertising in Europe is, you know, a lot of regulation around privacy uh, and disclosures and, and user data. It is, is that I think a lot of times that's framed as this way again to, you know, combat the power of the, the big tech companies. But yeah. in fact, I think a lot of people are more concerned about what that means for a, a startup. Because like if you're Google mm. or you're YouTube, I mean, I guess you yeah. same same thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the, those are companies that they, they don't want the legislation to go a certain way, but also they have so many resources, they have so many users that whatever- They figure it out. Yeah, they'll figure it out. If you're starting a company, um, you know, then it's much scarier, the idea yeah. that, oh, I could get sued for this mm -hmm. and I could get mm -hmm. sued out sure. of existence. Or that, not even make it to existence. Or yeah, exactly. You can't even keep up yeah. with the regulation. And there was a, I think there was a part in the, in the um, Article 13, it was Article 13, it was Article 11, I think there was mm -hmm. a part in that that passed that basically also forced you to track all the content that was coming into the website and most of these companies over in Europe were concerned because they don't have the capabilities of doing that the only companies that can do stuff like that are American companies so now mm -hmm. you're trusting American companies with all this like you know European user information that's right. a concern are we making those giant companies bigger are these like sort of ramifications or blowback because of like you know the political ramifications of all that Facebook stuff or well, what we'd hope I would think is that it sparks innovation and there are other companies that come out and help uh, you know yes the big ones are gonna do it right they're gonna figure it out and they're gonna make themselves available but hopefully creativity um, entrepreneurs people with ideas to figure that out, hopefully it would give them a platform, but the concern is that they wouldn't even be able to have that voice or get that opportunity, right? Yeah. The thing that just concerns me more than anything is the notion that somebody else is controlling, you know, what I get to read, hear, see, or, you know, produce, because right now they're saying, oh, well, if there's music in the background that technically is a copyright, yeah, well then where does it go from there, right? Yeah. At that point, if you can pick that up and then you can decide to choose what actually I think, you know, what I can say or what I can't say, or if you take it further, you know, does a, does a government get involved in deciding what, of, uh, what, uh, what news out there their populations can actually listen to? I don't know, that's just my thought on it, that's my worry. Yeah, I, I think that is definitely a concern. I think part of what this is responding to at the same time is that what we see now is already very mediated and controlled in mm -hmm. terms of like, 
that the Google's algorithms, Facebook al Facebook's algorithms, YouTube's algorithms, those are to a certain extent determining what we're seeing. I mean, because there's also different kinds of control of what you see. There's exactly. Uh, I'm gonna block this, and that's just not gonna show up. And that is definitely the, the scariest thing, and you, and you want that. But it's also what gets promoted, what gets you know surfaced. And so, um, I think government ha has a role to play in that. I, I you know this may be a rabbit hole. We don't want to go down too deeply, but I, I do yeah, think it yeah, has. Yeah, that it you. should that you, they should it shouldn't just be up to these private companies to decide what you see and don't see. Um, so, but I, I think it's also good to, to have that caution. So how much government control do you think should be over the internet? I mean, I've seen suggestions where people say they think the internet should be treated like a utility, where like, you know, like, electric, I mean, there's no way you can survive now, especially in America without the internet. It's very hard to maneuver. Most institutions, like, I mean, when, when my kids get homework, the teachers assume they have computers at home. It's not even really a question at this point. So do you think the private sector should have more sway or the public, I mean, who should be controlling the internet? Is it broken? Should there be adjustments, adjustments made? I think that it, this is gonna sound like a, a waffly answer, but uh, yeah. I, I do think, I mean, it's an involving process. Not, I, I do think like, sometimes the discussion about this swings one way or another where it's just like, yes, everything is great and it is, the internet is this beautiful open system or everything is broken, everything is just Russian bots and, yeah. and so the government needs to step in and I think it's something where, I think the main, well, maybe another way to frame it is to them, the main role of government is to make sure that they're, to, at least to me, is, is to make sure that there is an opportunity for if somebody new comes along and says, I you know, want to launch the next Facebook. I want to launch the next Google and I want to have a fighting chance. Yeah. Um, I should, that there should still be an opportunity for me to do that. And so I think the, there's less of a role for government to say this is what the content should be. Mm -hmm. and, and it's more about making sure that the, the, you know, that the power that these companies have right now doesn't stop uh, competition. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a really hard question, right? I mean, I don't think the government it's coming from a, you know, a free country, right, um, where that's rooted in free speech and a lot of things. And just given our current political climate, uh, it worries me that, and maybe I'm just being too conspiracy theoristic. Uh, I don't know if that's, you know, if that's a word or not, but it worries me that we go too far. And once you open that door, it's very easy for powerful companies, uh, very easy for governments um, to begin understanding and manipulating that law or you know there's the spirit of the law and then there's the enforcement of that law right mm. I, I just worry that it, it opens the door for us to go you know too far the other direction i mean anthony's right right yeah. there's we're already being filtered but how much how much control do you want to give i mean the whole spirit of the internet was to liberate yeah. and and provide a voice for people who either didn't have one or felt alone or you know all of these sort of things and now if if that starts to get controlled even more so um, more than maybe the average consumer would even know, that just worries me. I think w one of the other arguments that, that comes up that I'm sympathetic to, I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah. I, these are the things where I go back and forth myself, is that a lot of the discussion around free speech on the internet is about this idea of just, if you just sort of have it open and unrestricted, yeah. that's what real free speech looks like. And, and I think there's certainly, that's true on one level. The counter argument is that what happens then, right, is, you can have trolls and malicious actors, mm -hmm. and, and they can really go at it. And so, like, someone who is, 
not that and, and just wants to get their viewpoint out, they can get shouted down mm -hmm. by like, yeah. you know, either real people or in some cases just bots who are like shouting, hateful, mm -hmm. threatening things at them. And so the question becomes, does that really further free speech if, you know, somebody is like, I'm never going on these platforms because I'm just going to get screamed at and threatened? Or is it better for free speech if there's a way that they can push that down yeah, a little. I, I think free speech is basically you not being able to stop me from saying what I need to say or you your speech not infringing on mine or you not being able to outshout me or anything like that. So I completely agree with that. I like a little wild west to my internet, but <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, the bots, trolls. I, I think most people are are moderates, but then you have people on the the extreme, whether it be left or right basically sort of driving the news cycle, sort of driving the conversation. Yeah, but you know, I totally agree with you. And I think there's a difference between bots that are out there, you know, with hate, hate messages and things like that, or trolls that are saying horrible things and, and moderating them versus possibly where this is going, right? So if you think about it, I was reading something somewhere where an influencer was talking about how, I don't know whether it was her Instagram feed, I think it probably was, um, you know, there are there are methods that Instagram or Facebook are putting in where you can restrict certain words being making their way to your feed or things like that. So I think companies are actually taking some steps to do that. And I think it is giving the consumer power to control that and mm -hmm. to limit that, I think, is much better than a blanket statement where, you know, We'll get to a state, possibly, I hate to go there, but if you think about some you know, communist countries and things like that where they are controlling what the population is, is reading, That's is seeing, really is listening scary. to. That's really scary. I'm not a big fan of that. No, I know. Of course not. But I mean, it just it worries me given our current political climate in the yeah. United States even. Right. And I think that that points to where maybe some of the, the, the most promising solutions are, which is about like consumer control and saying, like, look, if you... Uh, that, that, that somebody can sort of, I mean, and I think there are always going to be edge cases of like really insane, hateful mm -hmm. or, or, you know, misinforming kind of stuff that, that probably doesn't have a place in the end. But in general, you know, it should be like, say whatever you want, like, go ahead. Like, but then people can decide, well, I don't want to see this kind of content. I don't want to see this kind of content. And, and so they can sort of decide for themselves what, or then also there are going to be some free market mechanisms of advertisers. Like we've seen this on YouTube already. Advertisers saying, well, you know, like I want to make sure none of you, you don't actually make money and my advertising yeah. isn't running along some of this. Yeah, that's stuff. a that's a that's a form of free speech. I mean, money. I mean, they, they've already ruled that. My thing is I, I go again, I go back and forth about it because most people get their news on the Internet now. You used mm -hmm. to go. I mean, I I'm, I wasn't really alive then to <laughs> to yearn for for the days of like, you know, like the old news cycle where they weren't like, you know, Morning and night. Exactly. They weren't yeah. focused on sponsors and like, you know, there weren't sweeps and so on and so forth. But if you could basically curate your news cycle and you could focus on, well, this is the news I like, this isn't the news I like, doesn't that sort of drive people more partisan? Like it starts to push you more to the left, more to the right. If you're reading stuff and you're like, well, I, I don't really like his version of the news too much. So I'm going to go over this way. I, well, I, you know, to that point, I read an article on something entirely a different topic, mm -hmm. but it talked about the importance of raising our children to have debate skills and and sort of what that cognitive skills that allow you to question 
um, to come up with your own thought processes to sort of um, deduce when you think something is fake news or something like that. And mm -hmm. I think uh, also what I love about the United States right now and sort of where we are with, with um, the next generation is that we are teaching children to be more inclusive and that sort of thing. So I think that a lot of it is how do you raise your children, right? Do, you, do we raise the next generation to be uh, critical and to not just blanketly uh, accept uh, anything that's put out there or said or you know, to, to really use some deductive skills to empower them with the ability to debate? Um, but also, you know, with uh, the sort of the, oh, where was I going with it? Um, I don't know. I, it'll come back to me, but go ahead, Anthony. Sure, no, but I, I think you bring up a great point about, like, you know, I think the, one of the um, ways people describe it is, okay, is a filter bubble. And, yeah. and I think um, that, that's, a, that's an enormous risk. And, and, and this question of how do you, uh, how, how do you, you know, I guess there's, there's different, and I, th I think that's probably something where government has less of a role, yeah. but that's more of a question for like a Facebook or a Google. And then it's, a, it's a question for each of us as individual consumers. And then potentially for those of us who are parents or will become parents that we have to yeah. wrestle with, with in a larger way there too. Um, and, and it is, you know, it's, it's always easy. I mean, part of it, the challenge I think is that we always define, we always think of whatever our bubble is as like the real, the, this is where, exactly. you know, and, and so it's in, and that some of that discussion of critical thinking too, where I think everyone thinks of themselves as somebody who's applying critical thinking. Yeah. And, and so, but that, and then the person who's like debating with them is maybe not the person who's, uh, who, who's being as reasonable. And so it, it's about like that that getting out of that comfort zone and, and I don't I don't have an answer to that because yeah. I think it, it is it, it's always easy to say like well you should like you know try sure. to cast a wide net but then like I'll be you know I'll be honest like I don't spend a lot of time like you know I, I spend most of my time reading like the New York Times and the New Yorker and things that are yeah. I think actually you know when this is maybe a separate discussion I think actually have <clears throat> real journalistic value and, and, and you know base their reporting on facts but also are you know largely politically on the same wavelength as I am and I do not spend a lot of time, you know, reading Fox News or watching Fox News or Breitbart yeah. or things like that. And and I think I can defend that on like journalistic levels. But I will also definitely, be honest definitely. that it's also about a comfort thing that I don't that it just it just like bums me out to read them. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but, I, but I think you actually um, reminded me of what I was trying to say. So if you if you are raised to be open minded and to think critically and that sort of thing, there's always going to be a portion of the population that's going to gravitate towards themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, like, 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 likes, like. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot more value in teaching inquisitiveness and to get counter opinions. Right. Um, some people are just going to read X or Y or consume X or Y. But a lot of us use the um, the internet and other forms of communication that are out there to actually learn counter opinions or you know to open our mind to things. And uh, you know I think that's. It's a it's a it's an ability to say this is my view, but I'm a better person. I'm a I'm a more intellectual person. I'm a better or a more well-rounded person if I also see the other side of the argument, or I see you know counter opinions. Like I I think that's one of the best things about it, right? And you allow the consumer to figure that out. Um, yeah, I, I I think there's a human condition in there that is you have to allow for. When I when I was young and I I discovered the internet, I remember my dad went and this isn't a plug for Dell, but like you know this is when you have to like order like you know computers over the phone and stuff, and they send it in a box. I discovered the internet via dial-up, which like you know my kids are completely foreign to; they can't even really picture it. But 
the internet was this amazing thing where I was constantly discovering something new and it was just sort of, I could go down this rabbit hole and just start with an article on, I don't know, peanut butter and then somehow be reading about like Genghis Khan. And then so it's, it's now it's, it's tough because things are becoming more and more tribal. So there isn't discovery. There's just sort of this echo chamber where you say something and then the next person's like, oh yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, recently I was scrolling down Facebook and I saw a comment someone wrote, I don't even remember like if I was this person's friend or not, I think I just hit yes or something. And he said, if you don't share my political opinion or if you say this or if you say that, I'm going to unfollow you. And I was just like, what? Yeah. I mean, that's well, that's just a close. You're going to have closed minded people yeah. that, you know. Well, and I mean, and it, a little bit to push back against it is that part of the challenge is that blur. What is just there are certain areas that are polit that are political opinions that we can agree to disagree on and to have like a sort of a a high level discussion of like, what is like Good. the best tax policy for the United States? I have strong opinions about that, but I'm totally fine if you don't agree with me. Um, there are other things that are in the category of political opinions in terms of like, should, you know, people I of know color have like <laughs> yeah. equal rights, in the, like, you know, are, the, you know, am I a person too? And, and you know- That's I, a weird conversation. <laughs> yeah, and, and so like, that's a political conversation, but I will also say that if you don't believe that I am like an equal human being as you, like, uh, that's I, that's that's fine. I'm, then I'm not interested in having conversations. Absolutely, no, that that debate is moot. Like, I mean, of course, we come from a place where, like, I'm not going to debate gravity with you. That's <laughs> you know, this is asinine. This is asinine conversation. But I mean, I'm I'm talking about the other side. I completely get your point. But, we're, and we're that's in a, a sort weird of a, place right and now. And that's an extreme example. But I think that's where it gets tough. Is I think there's some there's easy th there's some things on yeah. one end where you say we should be able to have yeah. a debate. There's yeah. one thing where you say this is not debatable. We're in a weird place where. Apparently yeah. that is yeah. debatable. Yeah. But then it is. It's, but then where, where, where it's right the right stuff now. in the middle yeah. where there's yeah. a gray area where yeah. it's like I think I should be able to argue with that, but I also understand why you have really strong feelings about this yeah. and don't you know and and ne don't necessarily want to have this argument right now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I am king of terrible segues, <laughs> but um, I I've also been fascinated as of late with um, AI, and this was basically inspired by my obsession with Westworld. I don't know if you guys have caught it on HBO. I've only I mean, seen the first season. I'm going to catch up uh, this weekend on season two. I mean, I, the way I watch TV now is weird because I don't really have a lot of time. So if I do have time, I have to like sort of like really rush. I, I mostly watch television on like, you know, an airplane or something mm -hmm. where I've. So I, I caught a flight to L.A. and then I sort of binged like the first couple of episodes in Westworld. I was, I was completely hooked. But it, it sort of lent to it, it brought me back to Elon Musk talking about the dangers of AI, you know what I mean? And Stephen Hawking talking about the dangers of AI. What do you where where are your opinions now? I mean, Phil might have some interesting takes <laughs> in, in terms of artificial intelligence and all of that. Well, my pro swoop is, yeah. is based in artificial intelligence, so I kind of have to like it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, that said, uh, I see and this is kind of a waffly answer. My turn. But I see, you know, where it can benefit. And I also, there are moments where I'm just as scared and I go off the deep end. And I think but where I go with it usually is instead of the human brain evolving, because we're in an attention economy and we want things to move along faster, we're creating our replacement through artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. So I go way, way off the, the deep end when I think about the things that scare me. But I ultimately see the benefit uh, of what AI can be if used properly. I worry about AI and robotics and um, 
what it will do to consumerism and and a populations uh, you know what do what do all these people do when those jobs are replaced and, and things like that i mean will new things spark up um that we can do that Hopefully, the robot today i can't yeah no likely yes but um you know i generally believe in it i think it's powerful i think it can be immensely helpful to society in general in terms of speed and whether it's in healthcare or you know travel or communications that sort of thing but I, I you know I see the downside of it I see the negative or the potential uh, you know detriment uh, to just humans I guess out of it mm. yeah I so I, I'll maybe start with like a little story which is just that I was in uh, at VivaTech um, in Paris a few weeks ago and I got to see uh, Eric Schmidt talk about this issue, and and he's and he said he was asked by the interviewer, you know, what do you think about Elon Musk and his talk, his warnings about AI? And Eric said, I think Elon is exactly wrong. And wow. um, and then immediately the moderator said, Congratulations, you've just given all the journalists in the room their headline, and that was correct. Um, and I did write that story, and, and I got a lot of sort of cranky tweets about yeah. that. And and so I mean, his counter argument is this basically just that. The benefits that are that certainly there's going to be you know it's going to be very transformational for society, yeah. but that ultimately the benefits are going to outweigh. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm simplifying the argument, but but you know the, the benefits are going to outweigh sort of this sort of temporary displacement. Um, I all, but I do think also like at that level the argument is very tough to make it sort of productive because it's just basically like how do you imagine the future? And there's so much uncertainty mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so many variables that it just seems like. AI good, AI bad, that's like a very hard discussion yeah. to have. I mean, maybe that's also how it seems to me because I'm just not an expert on AI, but um, versus how do we feel about this use of AI? How do we feel about this use of AI if we agree that this sector of the economy is going to become you know, much more automated? What are we gonna do about that as a society? Like, what does that mean for the people involved versus like, do we think Skynet is real, which is like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a fun thing to like the talk about on a dystopian podcast, sci but I don't know that we're going to necessarily come up yeah. with any good solutions, you know, based on that question. Well, oh, good. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, um, I think when, when you have the initial conversation about AI, of course, the first place people go is like, you know, Terminator mm -hmm. and like, you know, they're going to take over. But the, the scarier thing is like, you know, when you're reading articles and you're you're having AI that reaches a conclusion that you know people don't understand how they got there. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, well, the computers are like way smarter than us. We don't know how they're doing this. Should we sort of just all right? Well, you know, the the results are good. We don't know how they got here. Like, I mean, of course, quantum computing is going to open like you know ridiculous doors in terms of like you know healthcare and like you know engineering, but is that necessarily a good thing? Well, are they smarter or are they just faster? Right, so if you think yeah. about it, right, um, AI learns from what it's fed or what it learns from it. It's a, you know, and yes, there are, um, there's these things, uh, this, I, I don't know what it, uh, how you would classify it, but it's like GANs, it's like um, g generative uh, adversarial networks, something like that, where uh, there was this gentleman who's a specialist in AI. I was reading up on this in pre preparation for this, and he basically pits two neural networks against each other. Mm -hmm. And one has one set of information, and the other has other information, and they try to prove each other wrong, right? So 
ultimately I say that because they, it, it allows them to learn and they get faster and things like that. But if you look at the benefits of, you said smarter versus faster, is it, is a, is AI smarter than a doctor? Not necessarily. It's just, it just is able to maybe diagnose faster because it can process millions of cases. Whereas an individual doctor might just see a couple hundred thousand in their lifetime. Right. So they can, they can see very much, much more quickly that this is probably what's going on versus this. So, um, you know, that's that I think I don't know that they're necessarily smarter yet, mm -hmm. depending on where AI goes and depending on how good we are at teaching it uh, how to learn from itself. I mean, you could read tons of it. Uh, there's there's tons on, um, you know, them eventually or AI eventually learning from itself versus having to be programmed with a data set that is, you know, millions and millions yeah, that, and millions of information. That's that is very either, problematic. Yeah. And I guess one of the what, what part of what you're getting at um, as I you know, talking to, to some of the people working in this space is this question also of to what extent AI and like uh, machine learning functions just as a black box and, yeah. and just like, okay, well, we're just going to feed it this data and then it's, it's going to sort of at a certain point, you know, become this sort of train that drives itself. And, and I think there are the, at least I know of at least one startup where they're really trying to build more tools so that if you're a developer or somebody, you can actually go in and like see like this is like what the data was fed. This is why, uh, you know, it sort of ended up at, at this endpoint so that, you know, a month later, a year later, you can actually see, you know, um, every step of the way versus just being like, OK, well, we fed it this data and it kind of this is what it is now. Um, and, and so I think, you know, at least from like a, in these early stages, I think that's going to be important. I was reading an, uh, an article recently about uh, a guy that was fired by basically a computer, by, by AI. He, he basically went to work one day. His card wasn't working. Like the security guard let him in. He couldn't figure it out. His boss couldn't figure it out. He had just signed, uh, I think he was maybe six months into a three-year contract. He couldn't, his sign-in wasn't working, then eventually um, he got red flagged, at, you know, he was terminated, and I might be, like, you know, sort of cliff-noting this a bit, but apparently supervisors got fired, AI decided that his job was no longer necessary, and he just let him go, it was just a handful of people were fired, and it's like, that's, that's but, scary. It's, but how, no. how different is that than... A consulting company being brought in <laughs> right. by uh, by the CEO, and you walk in one day, and they've they've gotten approval by the CEO to fire these people, and you walk in one day, and your card doesn't work, and you're fired. I mean, how is that any different? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, on the one hand, I feel like there are a lot of terrible, inhuman ways that people get cut yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think probably I, I would argue that we need fewer of those ways rather than yeah. if, if this yeah. is just another way. Yeah. But it's true that I think. It, it doesn't, at least on this on this example that you're talking about, it doesn't represent a dramatic change. It's just like no. of sort of making a kind of screwed up system, you know, function more efficiently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this sucks. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, I probably, you know, your listeners are probably gonna laugh at me for this, but I always uh, I talk with RAI specialists, and he tells me I'm crazy. But you know, I I uh, sometimes ponder whether or not we can build empathy into artificial intelligence. Right. If you think about the human condition, we, we're not only smart, right? Our brains are, are phenomenal things and the way the neuron, the neuron networks sort of uh, deduce information and that sort of thing. But what we have as humans is the ability to empathize. And if you can, can empathy ever be built into an artificial yeah, I mean, intelligence? I don't know how you could like quantify that in, in, like, in any way. Well, I mean, and, and this, we're really getting to stuff that I'm not like yeah. super knowledgeable about, but I, I, there was, as a counterexample, that story recently about, I think it was researchers at MIT, um, but, but there were like researchers who basically fed 
this AI, you know, all this like horrible, you know, uh, yeah. stuff from from Reddit and and places like that, and they basically got you know a machine that that was also like just spewing like insane, crazy mm -hmm. hate speech, yeah. and so. Uh, on some level, you, you would hope that you could do the opposite, that maybe whether, you know, it's empathy in the sense of like it genuinely feels or it behaves like yeah. it is, uh, it genuinely feels and is a good ethical person. Like, even you know, I, I think like as long as the behavior is in line with, so, so like you, if you can train it in the right way, potentially it seems like, you know, yeah. that you could get, like if you can make an AI a bad person, then you, hopefully you can make it a good person too. Yeah, because we, I mean, we've seen the, the super racist bots from like, you know, different companies. You launch them, they're supposed to work normally and then like, you know, somewhere something goes left and then, yeah. of course, but I mean, I mean, you would hope um, this is robotics, it's not AI, but like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen those uh, Boston Dynamics videos, but those things are like terrifying. I haven't, I haven't oh yeah, yeah I'll show you one after. The, these things look nuts. <laughs> right. Well, they also then they turn that into. I mean, it's interesting. This also just gets into sort of how yeah. technology and science fiction kind of feed back and forth between each other. Um, there was an episode of the, in the most recent season of Black Mirror where there was a robot that was clearly modeled on the Boston Dynamics uh, robots. There sort of like looks like a dog essentially, yeah. and it was just running around killing people, and it was it was yeah. terrifying. Yeah, it was it's really terrifying. scary. They, um, did, did you get a chance to watch Black Mirror? I mean, I did. I, uh, not the latest season. If it's yeah, they keep putting them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah they keep I, putting them out. I loved it. I mean, I thought it was it's fast. I mean, I love anything like that along those lines. I just think it's quite fascinating. But you bring up an interesting point about science fiction and reality. And again, going out on a limb here, but if you look back, science fiction has I don't know which came which is the chicken or the egg, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about um, Star Trek or um, there were a couple of movies even out where they had visual, t uh, visual phones or visual communication and you thought, oh my gosh, that's just never going to happen. And now, you know, my five-year-old nephew basically doesn't even know how to talk on a regular phone without seeing somebody. Exactly. So, you know, does, which one comes first or do we manifest our science fiction? Yeah. One of the interesting examples cool. for me is, um, you know, the, the internet essentially and, and how, um, I think particularly like a book like, like Neuromancer by William Gibson, I think is a book that a lot of people read. And they said, I want to make that a reality. I want to make cyberspace a reality. And, and the funny thing is that in all the interviews he gives, Gibson says, I knew nothing about the internet. I knew nothing about technology. I just made it up because it seemed cool. It was like, it was a way yeah. for me to tell the story I wanted to tell. And so it wasn't that he predicted the future. It's that he, you know, said, wouldn't it be cool if this existed? It was like a plot device. And yeah. Then and then people were like, yeah, that does sound cool. Um, and then there are also interesting, you know, flip sides of that where, it, it sometimes the the science fiction writer doesn't necessarily think oh this is a thing that should exist and then somebody looks at that and says that should like the fact yeah, that they, they, yeah. they named food after Soylent is to me like yeah. somebody like, I could imagine if I was the person who like created the idea of Soylent in you know the 60s mm -hmm. and 70s I'd be like did you watch the movie it's, it's not a good thing this isn't like the yeah. direction we should be going in it, it reminded me of that um, that company that had that little mini store called uh, I don't know if you heard of it that bodega bodega yeah, yeah. I was just like that was like, I mean that was yeah like, who was in the marketing room for that and was just like <laughs> yeah let's call it bodega yeah it is yeah. interesting cuz i mean now we're getting really far from yeah. ai but like <laughs> there were the you know there's also there's the question of is this a good idea and then it's also like why did you market it this yeah. way? Like, the, if you didn't call it Bodega, but you just, like, had, like, this idea for this, like, little vending machine, maybe it wouldn't seem as, you know, quote-unquote yeah. revolutionary or disruptive, but, like, you, then you could have an argument on the merits. You call it Bodega, then you just immediately look like a jerk, yeah. and no one is going to want to talk to you. Yeah. It, like, I, 
I would like to speak to the marketing guy and just like what string of decisions made you arrive at this? Like, who thought this was a good idea? I, I, I have no idea. Well, well, I think also, I mean, the the, the, the moment that we're in um, is as a culture and, and our relationship with technology is also like very, it's yeah. changing a lot where I think 10 years ago, five, even five years ago, it seemed just cool and exciting. Mm -hmm. And like the, you know, uh, anyone who was ambitious and wanted to change the world, like you want, you would go into technology. That's yeah. what you did. And now there's this m mood much more of like, oh, this is all bad. This is all, all these guys are like soulless jerks who like, yeah. and like neither of the, both of those yeah. things are true to an extent, but like. You know, I think in the, the the obviously there's like a lot more nuance to it. it is, I mean, technology has this like incredible ability to connect us, mm -hmm. but then at the same time, it's you know it's weird and it's driving people apart. Like one example of like you know sci-fi going into like tech. We went to a press event last night, and there was a guy who had this sort of automated desk, and one of the features was this hand-free feature where you could just swipe through articles and do hand gestures and he was like, like total yeah. recall or something like yeah. that. yeah and he was inspired by uh he mentioned like iron man and um what was that movie with um minority Colin report? Farrell, oh, minority uh, report yeah, yeah. yeah. Minority that's the one i'm not yeah. yeah yeah and then on the flip side you have like that black mirror episode with um i believe it was um bryce dallas howard yeah, you're thinking with the social currency the license and then like i'm thinking yeah this, this is weird it's probably not gonna happen and then the article comes out like you know well over in china yeah do you, you know which one we're talking about no the, uh, go ahead yeah yeah can. it's a, this idea that uh you know there's an uber rating right for both for your driver and for the passenger oh i think and I yeah, and yeah, so yeah. and then in this episode of black mirror that basically becomes this generalizable yes, idea of of you know your 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 overall rating that other people have given you determines your status in society and now China I think I think it seems like it's very early and and it's more like well there's certain status things that you'll get if if you have a certain rating but uh, so it's not like the widespread thing but it, yeah. it seems like a step in that direction which is kind of yeah. crazy it, you can see it though I mean it's yeah. you can see how that people go for likes in Instagram I mean people they. They stress about it, or not me, but there are certain groups of people that you know are trying to get as many likes as possible, and you could see how that could be a rating or a currency. I mean, you could fathom it, right? Right, and you can, and certainly now, I think, like even if, if yeah, if you go, if you're you know have a certain following, you and you go into a certain store or restaurant, I think that like carries a certain weight, and and right now that's just purely from a marketing standpoint of like, oh well, this person, I want them to say something good, but yet you can imagine be that becoming much more productized and systematized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you you have a precedent with like, I mean. Now, when you go, well, it's been for a while. When you go apply for a job, they can take your credit score into account. Mm -hmm. So now, imagine if I don't hold the door open for somebody, and then they just sort of give me this bad rating, and all of a sudden, this sort of uh, social rating or the social currency is affecting my everyday life is is weird. They're saying there are people in China who can't jump on the train, they can't take flights because of this rating system. Did you? I don't know if this is a true story. I think it is, but did. Did you guys read a story about, I think it was Uber, has come up with this technology where, or maybe it was one of the phone companies, I don't remember, but, um, but Google's tied into, or uh, Uber's tied into it, that it, it tracks how you're walking, and if it thinks that you are inebriated, then the driver now knows what, can decide whether or not to pick you up if you are 
too drunk, basically. I did see that. Yeah, it was Uber. Yeah. I think it's a it's a patent, so they haven't actually like oh, okay. brought it. So, yeah. You know, well, at least they, they haven't announced it yeah. yet. Um, although they, Uber weird. Uber definitely does a lot of stuff that they yeah. don't announce yeah. too. Yeah. And so yeah. like, yeah. so who knows? Maybe they are doing it now. But but, but the only thing that's known for sure is they did file a patent around that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe but, that's what I read. But what if someone's like you know like handicapped or something? Like how do you? That's that's weird. Yeah. yeah. Like it's all these things where. You know, I think transparent that kind of like transparency seems good in theory, but there's all kinds of yeah. really like yeah. you know weird, or not even just like scary kinds of you know uh, effects of that 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 you don't that they don't necessarily think about and and you know that that You're giving that, people new ways to discriminate. I mean, I, I, I think Airbnb it. had the same issue with like you know, I don't know. So thanks for coming out. This I'm gonna wrap up now. I'm getting the the signal. First and foremost, thanks so much to my guest, Phil Parada of Swoop. You could basically go on to the App Store right now. Yep. and we're on iOS yep. uh, now, Apple App Store, and Android is coming in about two weeks. Everybody heard it here <laughs> in two weeks. I mean, were we the first ones to, to drop that announcement? I'll, I'll make a post. In two weeks, well, Android users, you're not going to be left <laughs> out. So it's probably live as it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You probably can go download that right now. And thanks so much for my guy, Anthony Hoff, for coming through. Um, I wanted to drag you down here for season one, but we didn't get a chance. So thanks for coming out. No, I'm glad I made it work. This has yeah. been awesome. Thanks. Um, thanks so much to the sponsors over at, of course, Swoop, by uh, Catalyst Case, Samsung Tech, and of course, our hosts here at Equal Space. And thanks for listening, guys.